0: Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. You hardly knew how hungry you were to be gathered in, to receive the welcome that invited you to enter entirely. Nothing of you found foreign or strange, nothing of your life that you were asked to leave behind or to carry in silence or in shame. This is United Methodist Minister Jan Richardson's A Blessing Called Sanctuary. Tentative steps became settling in, leaning into the blessing that enfolded you, taking your place in the circle that stunned you with its unimagined grace. You began to breathe again, to move without fear, to speak with abandon, the words you carried in your bones that echoed in your being. You learned to sing. This blessing will not leave you alone, but neither will it let you linger in safety, in stasis. This blessing will call you into the world to become the sanctuary you have found, to tell what you have heard with your own ears, with your own eyes, known in your own heart that you are beloved, precious, and you are welcome, and more than welcome, to make your home here. In theological circles, grace is defined as free and unmerited favor. As Unitarian Universalists, we would say that grace is a gift given freely though not without conditions. We might encounter some surprising good that comes to us out of the blue, that's grace. And by our lights, the spiritual practice is to give back or to pay it forward. I started thinking about grace late on December 23rd, when a tire on our van started registering low. We needed to get to church in the morning and again on Christmas Day and had exactly zero leeway, let alone the inclination for a tire change. It was 20-something degrees in Boston. Early on Christmas Eve morning, I swung by the local gas station looking for an air pump. I found it, but it was inside, not outside, and the bays of all three garages were locked up tight. The station was dark. But just then, the young mechanic came into view. What was he doing here so early? And on this Saturday, he opened the office door. He is by no means the owner, but said he'd come in because he figured people would be traveling for the holiday and might need him. When I explained what was up with our car, he said in that profoundly reassuring way that can make me wish I were an auto mechanic or occasionally a dentist, no problem, I can help you. This is grace. When he filled my tires, while he filled my tires, he explained that the cold weather had made the air in them contract. No, there wasn't a slow leak. He told me about his almost three-year-old son who could hardly wait for Santa to come and how much fun it had been for him and his wife to find some small gifts. This was their first Christmas in America, he said, and then trailed off. I knew not to ask more. He was working without gloves. I asked him if he had any, and he said, not yet. When I asked him what I owed him, he said, oh, nothing. Such an easy opening. The gloves would have to wait a few days, but I gave him the $20 bill in my pocket and saw his eyes fill unbidden before he turned his head from me and found his voice to say thanks. The truth is, nothing I can do will repay his unhesitating kindness let alone the fact that he was there in the first place. But I realized then that that's the nature of grace in relationship. At best, you both leave the interaction feeling lucky, feeling blessed. Two days later, Cam and I waited a long time at Logan Airport for our flight to Florida. Our first clue that something was amiss was when I overheard the woman checking our bags, saying to her coworker, there aren't any seats on this flight. (laughs) Up at the gate, as the harried agent tried in vain to sort out the seating, the sign behind him lit up in red, flight canceled, he kept working. Word was that some 1,200 people were in line to rebook their flights. But there were no seats available in the foreseeable future. As it so happened, in just the past day or so, Cam and I had said three somewhat unrelated things to each other that we could both use a long winter's nap, that we would really love some time alone together, and that we should plan a road trip sometime. None of these was in the Florida plan. And suddenly we were Googling how long it takes to drive to Cam's mom's house in Tampa. Answer, about two and a half days. And is it possible to get a one way rental car? Answer, yes, and for very short money. Our entire airline ticket was refunded, and we booked an astonishingly cheap car. We showed up at the rental car office and were third in line. When we got up to the desk, the agent told us that their portal had been accidentally opened. Actually, they didn't have any cars left to rent. Oh. Oh. Except, well, there was a Tesla. (laughs) And yes, we could have it for the same price. And so we threw our duffel bag and two knapsacks into a midnight blue Tesla, by far the nicest car I have ever driven, pointed it south and waved goodbye to Boston. For two and a half days, we drove down the eastern seaboard, catching up on sleep, music, a good book, and each other. And for a mere $84 in electrical charging fees, we got to Kem's mom just 48 hours late. We wouldn't have known to plan this trip, but it was exactly what we had longed for. This is so much more than making lemons lemonade out of lemons. This is grace, a free and unmerited favor, a gift. And here's something else about grace. There's a very good chance that it makes its home in the most unlikely places, in serendipity, in coincidence, and even in the midst of chaos or the worst kind of unexpected circumstances, in the willingness to open our minds and hearts to the possibility that something better just might be hidden there for us. I have one more story this morning, also a true story told on the moth stage by Auburn Sandstrom. She says, 1992, a cluttered apartment in Ann Arbor, Michigan, I'm curled up in a fetal position on a filthy carpet in horrible withdrawal from a drug I've been addicted to for several years. I'm in a state of bald terror. My husband is out running the streets trying to score more, and I've never been in a darker or more desperate place. If he succeeds, he's not going to share. Clutched in my hand is a little piece of paper. I've been unfolding and folding to the point that it's almost falling apart, but I can still make out the phone number on it. If I could, I would jump right out of my own skin and run screaming into the streets myself. But right behind me, asleep in the bedroom, is my baby boy. And somehow, I knew that the life I was leading was going to mean losing him, the most precious thing I had ever had. I was so desperate, I became willing to punch those numbers into the phone. My mother had sent me that piece of paper. I mean, I hadn't been speaking to her for years, but she was still speaking to me. Look, her note said, this is a counselor. Maybe you could call him. I called. A man picked up and said, hello? And I said, hi, um, I got this number from my mother. Uh, Do you think you could talk to me? I heard him shuffling around in bed, pulling up the sheets around himself maybe and sitting up. I heard a faint radio in the background. He snapped it off and became very present. He said, yes, yes, of course. What's going on? I told him I felt terrible, that I was scared. And then before long, I told him that I might have a drug problem. And then I told him that my husband, I mean, I really love him, but he hits me sometimes. I hadn't told anyone the truth, including myself, for a long, long time but I started telling those truths. And the counselor didn't judge me. He just sat with me and listened and extended such kindness, so much gentleness. Tell me more about that. Oh, that must have been so painful. Oh. Have I mentioned that it was two o'clock in the morning? He stayed up with me the whole night, just listening, talking, being there. And as the sun rose, I felt calm. The raw panic had passed. I thought, I can splash water on my face and do this day. I was so grateful to him. I said, hey, you know, I really appreciate this so much. He laughed a little and said, well, I'm glad it was helpful. And we talked some more, and I thanked him again. And I said, I mean, you've seriously done a very big thing for me. How long have you been a counselor? There's a pause. I hear him shifting. Auburn, please don't hang up. I've been trying not to bring this up. What, I asked. You won't hang up? No, I'll stay on. Well, that number you called, he paused again, you, you got the wrong number. I'm not a counselor. We left together and talked a little longer, and that was it. We got off the phone, and I felt this kind of joy, like I was shining. For the first time in a long, long time, I felt peaceful. He had shown me that there was this completely random love in the universe, random, unconditional love, and that some of it was for me. I mean, I didn't get my life totally together that day, but. It became possible to ask for more help and to get the hell out of hell. And it also became possible to become a teetotaling, sane enough single parent to raise that precious baby boy into a magnificent young scholar and athlete who graduated from Princeton University with honors. Auburn Sandstrom concludes, This is what I know. In the deepest, blackest night of despair, if you can get just one pinhole of light, all of grace rushes in. Beloved spiritual companions, you hardly knew how hungry you were to be gathered in, to receive the welcome that invited you to enter entirely. Nothing of you found foreign or strange, nothing of your life that you were asked to leave behind or to carry in silence or in shame this blessing will call you into the world to become the sanctuary you have found, to tell what you have heard with your own ears, seen with your own eyes, known in your own heart, that you are beloved, precious, beautiful, and you are welcome and more than welcome to make your home here. All of grace rushes in. Amen. Now for the benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I honor the divine in you adapted from a letter written by Austrian poet Rainer Maria Rilke to his wife Clara on January 1st, 1907. And now let us believe in the new year that is given us, new, untouched, full of things that have never been. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen.